0: calling it sovereignty or suffering in the sovereignty of God. Now, this series stands on two logical conclusions drawn from life. I'm going to give you a little bit of introduction before we read the text we're going to be looking at tonight before we get into that. Two logical conclusions. The first is this. Our world is filled with evil, pain, and suffering. Anybody dispute that? No, everywhere you look, there's evil, pain, and suffering. Nobody would argue that. We're going to explore that a little bit tonight. Not completely, but a little bit. The second conclusion is this. God is sovereign over all things. Right? Now, the word sovereign simply means to have supreme authority and power. When we say God is sovereign, what we mean is God is in control. So when we assert God's sovereignty, we say we believe God holds all power, and all authority over everything in heaven and in earth. I believe that without exception. I have no problem with that. I believe it with all my heart. But our belief in God's sovereignty is stated for us very well, I think, in the Westminster Confession of Faith. And here's what they write. God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so, as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. Now that latter part there is a little bit confusing. The issue of second causes means this, that while God's decree is the primary cause of why all things happen, there are still secondary causes which which God uses as His means to His ends. In other words, God decreed the death of His Son, right? You believe that? The Bible says in Peter, He was foreordained to die. Yet God used wicked men to accomplish that death, and those men were not forced to do what they did, but they did what they did because it's what they wanted to do. Take the rolling of a dice in a gambling game. You and I might think it's just random chance how that plays out. And from a human level, it is totally random. And yet God controls even that. Everything is controlled by the hand of God. Now, if God is sovereign, and he is, and if evil is a reality, and it is, then we have a problem. We really do. And the problem is summed up in this question. Why would an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-benevolent God allow evil to exist in his creation? That is a question which has plagued the mind of humanity since the dawn of time. And that's the question I want to explore during the course of these sermons. Now, I'm not going to be able to give you all the answers you want. You're not going to come away from this saying and understand it completely. But I do want to point you to some some spiritual truths which will help us, I think, better endure the suffering we all encounter in our lives. So let's get to it tonight. Turn to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. I don't know how much actual preaching there may be in this. Time will tell. There will be a lot of talking, as there usually is. But it's time to put on our thinking caps for a bit tonight and learn something from the Word of God. Luke chapter 13 And we're going to read the first five verses as the text for this first sermon in the series. Luke chapter 13 and verse number 1. Tonight we're going to talk about the existence of evil or the existence of pain. Now notice in verse 1, if you've got your place and you're able, let's stand just for a moment as we read the text together. Luke 13, verse number 1. The Bible says, There were present at that season, Some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Are those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them... Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. That's what the Lord said. You can be seated. On September the 11th, 2001, we all know what happened that day. Four aircraft were hijacked by Muslim extremists. Two of those planes were flown into the Twin Towers in New York City and the effect of the impact of those planes eventually brought those two massive skyscrapers crashing to the ground. I remember the shock I felt watching that that morning as those towers came falling to the earth. Another plane was flown into the Pentagon. A fourth plane crashed into a field in rural Pennsylvania after the heroic action of some of the passengers on board. When that day was finished, over 3,000 Americans were dead. Now, over the intervening years, many more have died from diseases related to their being at the uh, scene of the crashes. Firefighters, police, and other rescue workers who were attempting to help the wounded on September the 11th have paid a high price for their sacrificial service. Beyond the physical damage, thousands of families and individuals have endured unimaginable emotional suffering over the intervening years as a result of what happened that day. September the 11th left an indelible mark upon the soul of America. But that day, as tragic as it was, was only one tragedy among millions, if not billions, which have impacted our world. So let me give you a list of some of the other tragedies that our world has faced. Some can be called natural disasters. Some are definitely man-made disasters others come from living in a sin-cursed world but regardless of the origin of the disaster each tragedy I will mention proves without a doubt the existence of pain and evil in our world and hang on as I go through this because as I put this together I found the following information for me to be emotionally devastating now on December 26 2004 An earthquake under the Indian Ocean triggered a tsunami which struck some 14 different countries. Some nations were hit by waves as tall as 95 feet. In the aftermath of the devastating tsunami which struck those nations, 282,517 people were dead or missing. Can you imagine that? Over a quarter million people dead or missing. Indonesia was the hardest hit with over 220,000 people dead or missing. That's amazing to me. On October the 1st, 2017, in Las Vegas, Nevada, Stephen Paddock opened fire on a crowd of 22,000 concert goers from the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Casino in, uh, in Las Vegas. He killed 58 people and wounded 500 more. On November the 5th, 2017, a Devin Patrick Kelly, walked into a small church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, and he began shooting. He killed 25 people, an unborn child, and wounded 20 others. On June the 12th, 2016, Omar Shadik Mateen opened fire inside Pulse, which is a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida. 49 people were killed, and more than than 50 others were injured. On December the 14th, 2012, at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut, Adam Lanza killed 20 children, ages 6 and 7. He killed 6 adults in that school before turning the gun on himself. Before he opened fire at the school that day, Lanza had killed his own mother. On April the 16th, 2007, at Virginia Tech University in Blacksburg, Virginia, a guy by the name of of Sung-Hoo Cho, went on a shooting spree. He killed 32 people in two locations and wounded an undetermined number of others. From 1999 to August 28, 2018, there were 213,175 gun-related deaths in America. Shocking, isn't it? In the 1930s and 1940s, Adolf Hitler and its brutal regime were responsible for the deaths of over 14 million Poles, Jews, Russians, and Yugoslavs. Did you hear that number? Fourteen million. Also targeted were about 70,000 men, women, and children with mental and physical handicaps. More than 200,000 gypsies and an unknown number of political prisoners, resistance fighters, homosexuals, and deportees. Mao Zedong, the chairman of the Communist Party of China, and his regime were responsible for over 50 million deaths. 50 million. Can you even comprehend a number that large? 50 million deaths. Joseph Stalin, the leader of the Soviet Union, was responsible for the deaths of over 20 million people under his brutal regime. Paul Pot, the leader of the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, was responsible for about 2 million deaths now those numbers are just abstract to us they are just so large it's hard to get your mind around them but they do underscore the presence of evil and pain in our world because all of those millions of deaths I just cataloged for you there each one of those deaths comes with it a um, snowball effect if you will because not only was the person who died taken away but their families were affected And many of them continue to feel the effects of that down to this day. In 2012, let's bring this a little closer to home. In 2012, the last year for which data was available, 8.2 million people died from cancer around the world. An estimated 9.2 million died from cancer in 2018. Every year in America, 610,000 people die from heart disease every year. Around 33,000 people in our nation die in automobile wrecks. One third of those are because of a drunk driver. Some 45,000 people commit suicide in America every year. And when you take those numbers and you pull them back over 6,000 years of human history, and you compound the death and tragedy endured by all the people who have lived on this planet, The amount of suffering, it literally stuns the mind. It almost takes your breath away. And every one of those tragedies I mentioned, all the death and all the suffering, is compounded by the suffering endured by the loved ones of the sufferer. It goes without saying that we live in a world of pain and suffering. Now our text deals with this issue. On a certain occasion, some people came to Jesus to talk to him about some people in Galilee who had been worshipping when they were killed by the Romans. Verse 1 says their blood was mingled with their sacrifices. Then in verse 4, Jesus references a tower in Jerusalem, a tower called the Tower of Siloam. When it fell, 18 people died when that happened. Now, while the death toll in these two incidents is much lower than What I mentioned a moment ago, the human pain and suffering involved was the same. Somebody was dead. Families were broken. Hearts were shattered. Wives lost their husbands. Husbands lost their wives. Children lost their parents. Parents lost their children. Friends lost friends. Lives were changed forever. And that's the way it goes, even down to this day. Anytime there's a tragedy, lives are impacted but it teaches us over and over that we live in a world defined by pain. Now, as we begin this series of sermons, and this isn't a happy discussion tonight by no means, but I want to talk to you about the existence of pain. And I want to make several statements about pain as we move through this text. And I want to begin by, as I said, talking about the existence of evil or the existence of pain. And I'm going to make three statements about that tonight. And all of them are very simple, easy to understand. But I think as a starting point for what we're going to be discussing over the next several weeks, this is where we need to begin. We need to establish that there is pain and evil in our world. So the first statement I would make is this, pain exists. Pain exists. If you've lived in this world any length of time, you know what it means to hurt. Some of you know what it means to hurt at a very deep level. Pain exists in our world, and we see the evidence of its existence all around us. Now, as I said, this text talks about two tragedies which occurred during the lifetimes of Christ. Those tragedies affected dozens of families, and no doubt they touched hundreds of lives. And pain was a result of both tragedies, and we all know pain exists. What I like about the Bible is the Bible tells us the truth even when the truth is not popular. And the Bible does not deny the existence of pain. In fact, in very clear language, the truth of this matter is laid out for us in the Bible. This world is a world of pain and suffering. Again, I give you scriptures we've looked at many times, but Job said, man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. That was said by a man who was enduring intense pain in his body, problems in his home, the loss of his children, and yet even though none of us are where Job is, we can echo what Job said, we understand that. But then Job says something else about pain. He says, man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward." He's saying, just as surely as wood in a fire causes sparks which fly up, man it is born into this world is going to have difficulty. That's the intent. We're going to have problems. Jesus said, in this world ye shall have tribulation. I believe that, don't you? We all know that. That's the way it is. And then Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory of, which shall be revealed in us, the sufferings of this present time. Again, alluding to the fact that we will have pain, we will have suffering, and we will experience the touch of evil in our lives. So the existence of pain in our world poses a problem for people like us who believe in the sovereignty of of a God who is omniscient, omnipotent and omnipresent and a God who is all good all the time if God is all powerful all-knowing and all good in every way why does pain exist that's a good question isn't it and it's a question that's plagued the minds of man for thousands of years in a recent Barna poll there were several questions asked and one of the questions was asked If you could ask God any question and receive a response, what would you ask Him? The number one question was this, I would ask God why there is pain and suffering in the world. And I think if we had the opportunity to ask God anything, we might have that same question because many of you over the years have confided in me that you wonder why God allows pain and suffering in the world. Well, 300 years before Jesus, there was a Greek philosopher by the name of Epicurus. And he was the first to expound the problem of evil in the world. And his theory is variously called the Epicurean Paradox, the Riddle of Epicurus, or the Epicurean Trilemma. And the theory of Epicurus goes like this. Let me share it with you. Number one, is God willing to prevent evil but not able? If this is true, God is not not omnipotent. You got that? You understand that? Is God willing to prevent evil but not able to? That means God does not have all power if that is true. The second part is, is God able to prevent evil but not willing? If that's true, Epicurus said, then God is malevolent or he is an evil being. That is, if God has the power to do it, but he's not willing to do it, then that gets right to the heart of God's nature. He says God is not a good God. The third part of Epicurus' trilemma is, is God neither able or willing? He said if this is true, then why call him God? He said, if God is not able to stop problems and and eradicate evil, and if God is not willing to do that, then he's not worthy of being called our God. Now, you've got to understand, Epicurus was not a believer. He was not what we would call a Christian. He was not saved. He was a Greek philosopher operating under the Greek mythological system. That's where his mindset came from. And he was questioning the evil in his world, uh, being set opposed the so-called good, goodness of his God. But even though we live under a different world view, we all struggle with the same set of issues, right? Something will happen, and we'll say, why didn't God stop this? Why doesn't God intervene? Why doesn't God change this? Why doesn't God fix this? Is it because God doesn't want to? Is it because God is not able to? And sometimes it calls our very faith into question." But people have struggled with this as long as there have been people. And this is the primary issue as to why some people refuse to believe in God. C.S. Lewis wrote this one time. He said, The problem of pain is atheism's most potent weapon against the Christian faith. People often refer to the problem of evil or pain in the world as the argument against God from pain. They say, if evil and pain exist in our world, then it says to us there is no God because a good God could and would do something about this. Now, we're going to come back to all this in a future message. But for tonight, let me just tell you, God can. God is able, but God has his reasons for not doing so. So the argument follows this Epicurean model mentioned a moment ago. If God is neither willing or able to prevent evil, then why worship Him as God? Now, C.S. Lewis, who was quoted a moment ago, he was an atheist for many, many years. And Lewis could not bring himself to believe in a God who would allow such evil and suffering in the world until one day when he realized that evil could not exist unless there was also good. And Lewis also understood that good could not exist apart from God. And so eventually C.S. Lewis came to faith in Christ and he became a powerful voice for Christ. But so many people in our world, you invite them to church and they always go to this. They'll run to this and say, well, if your God's so good, then why did this happen? If your God's such a good God, then why is this? If God's all powerful, then why this and why that? That affects the thinking of a lot of people. A man by the name of Eli Weissel, he was a Romanian-born Jew. At the age of 15, he was rounded up along with his family by the Nazis. And he was taken to Auschwitz and later to Buchenwald, both notorious German death camps. At the age of 15, Weissel was a member of an Orthodox Jewish family and he believed in God when he was taken to Auschwitz. On his first night in Auschwitz, he watched the Germans systematically exterminate, and cremate thousands of other prisoners. And as he watched the furnaces turn human beings, including little children, into what he called wreaths of smoke, his faith in God was forever shattered. In his book, Night, Russell wrote wrote this. He said, Never shall I forget those flames which consumed my faith forever. Never shall I forget those moments which murdered my God and my soul and turned my dreams to dust. Now, as this series unfolds, I want to try to answer some of the questions we have about the sovereign power and goodness of God in a lot of the pain and suffering which exists in our world. And as I've already said, I will not be able to answer all the questions which arise, but there will be some help for our hearts along the way. In fact, before I close tonight, I'm going to give you a couple of things to hang on to as we move our way through this. My purpose in this first sermon is to remind us that pain does exist. And because pain does exist in the world, Pain does cause many to question the goodness and power and even the reality of God. We know that's true, right? Could God have stopped 9-11? Could God have prevented the Indian Ocean tsunami? Could God have stopped all the school shootings which have happened in recent years? Could God have prevented Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin... Mousy Dung, Pol Pot, and other megalomaniacs from coming to power and killing millions? Of course, of course. Could God do away with all cancers and other fatal illnesses? Could God prevent children from being born with debilitating disabilities? Could God stop all evil and sin from occurring in His creation? And the answer is yes. But the response is, if God can do this, then why Doesn't he? Now as this series develops, we're going to come to understand an important truth. And the truth is this. God has a reason for allowing pain and evil in his world. His reasons are valid and his reasons are good. But often for us, they are hidden behind a veil of mystery. Try as we might to lay hold of the answers we want. There will be times when God's reasons for pain and suffering will never be known. That's why the Bible says this. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may do the words of the law. Let me put it to you this way. God says you don't need to know everything. You trust me with what you don't know. And then you do what you should do with what I let you know. That's what he's saying. God wants us to walk with him by faith and not by sight. What amazes me is there are some people, some in this room, who have walked with God through some very, very deep and dark places. And you have hurt on a deep level. And yet you continue to walk with God. You have no answer to your why question. But even though that question still may swirl to the surface in your mind every now and again, you understand the secret things belong unto the Lord your God, and you are content to walk with Him knowing that God knows best. And the reason you can do that is because you are a believer in Christ who walks with God by faith and not by sight. The reason others cannot do that is because they are not walking with God by faith, and they need an injection of salvation and grace, whereby they come to know the true and living God, and become content to leave everything in the hand of God. So, pain exists. You agree with that? I hope you do. Because if you don't, you're dead wrong. We're not Christian scientists. Christian science movement says pain is a figment of the imagination. They say that pain is all in the mind. I'd like to walk up behind one of those guys and stick a hat pin in him and see what he did. Pain is not an illusion. Pain is a reality. It is. A second point. Pain is everywhere. In our text, the people who died at the hands of the Romans were from Galilee. The people who died under the tower of Siloam were from Jerusalem. Some were from the extreme north of Israel, and some were from the extreme south. And the point is this, people from all over were subject to suffering. And the same holds true today. People today in Africa, India, and other places suffer from crushing poverty. In China, Iran, Syria, North Korea, and other places, people live under the lash of Cruel dictators. People all over the Middle East, the Southeast, and Africa endure death and mutilation at the hands of Muslim extremists. Christians in many countries are dying and suffering every day under intense persecution because they hold to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. People in all places experience the pain which comes from death, disease, divorce, violence, cruelty, Hatred, racism, corrupt governments, and countless other problems. Every place in our world where the sun rises, you will find people who are dealing with the effects of pain, suffering, and evil. Pain in our world is as common as the air we breathe. The wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, studied life from every angle. And Solomon concluded this world to be a place of unrelenting pain and difficulty. And Solomon said this about living in our world. He said, Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Solomon said, Everything is touched with the taint of pain and evil. Everything. Everywhere you turn, there's hardship and there's suffering. And then he said this, For what hath man of all his labor, and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun? For all his days are sorrows, and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This also is vanity, it's emptiness, it is a waste, is how he summed it up. We may not like it, but pain exists. And again, we may not like it, but pain can be found everywhere in our world. So, pain exists. Number two, pain is everywhere. Number three tonight, pain affects everyone. In our text, people from Galilee and people from Jerusalem died. From the fact that some were killed while offering sacrifices to God, we can assume that some were people who tried To follow the law of God. We can also assume that some so-called good people died. Along with some bad people. We can assume that people from various stations of life died. We can assume that some people left family and friends behind. Who were devastated by their deaths. And here's the thing. Pain affects everyone. People everywhere suffer. The rich suffer. And so do the poor, the famous suffer, and so do those no one knows, the powerful suffer, and so do the powerless, people from every race, country, culture, and socioeconomic class experience the effects of pain, suffering, and evil. Steve Jobs, he was the one of the founders of Apple, one of the richest men who ever lived. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he died in 2011. His brilliance, his wealth, his power, his celebrity were not enough to prevent him from suffering and dying. Martin Luther King, the most visible leader of the Civil Rights Movement from from the time he began in 1954 until his death in 1968, was a voice for peaceful change in our nation. He was well-known, popular among his people, and successful in his efforts to bring about change in our culture. But King's influence and his ability did not prevent him from dying when his assassin, James Earl Ray, fired a bullet into his body. He died. Ninety-one percent of all HIV-positive children in the world live in Africa. But those children did nothing to deserve their plight, but still they suffer. Their age and their innocence is no refuge from pain and suffering. Here in Lenore, there are children who will go to bed hungry tonight because their parents cannot feed them. That's a tragedy. Others will go to bed with bruises and worse because a mother or a father uses them as a punching bag. Their helplessness is not a safe harbor from the scourge of pain and suffering. Now we all know suffering is a common element in our human existence. Jesus said this, He said, He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Just as surely as good people and lost people enjoy the blessings of God, so all people endure the hardships of living in this world. And when we take the time to look around us, we see suffering people everywhere. People in our families suffer. People in our church suffer. Our coworkers suffer. Our neighbors suffer. There are times when we ourselves suffer. No one makes it through this world without being touched by pain. Just as surely as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, pain is part of living in our culture. Now, is there any hope for those inflicted by pain? Yes, there is. And we're going to discuss much of that help in future messages, and some of our questions, I hope, will be answered then. But for now, let me give you a couple thoughts to hang on to until we get there. Number one, God is sovereign. And God is working out an eternal plan. That's what you need to keep in mind. When you see that which you cannot understand, when you look at that situation and it does not make sense to you, when you pray for someone and God does not heal them, when you pray for God to change the situation and God does not change it, when you see tragedy and suffering on an immense scale, just remember God is sovereign. And God is working out an eternal plan. And I can assure you that whatever it is you're looking at has a place in that plan even if you can't make the puzzle piece fit. God can. Now notice what he said. He said in Ephesians 1.11. Let's see if I've got that in here. I think I do. I had it. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Let me get back to that, I messed up there. In whom also we have, or have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. How many things? All things. He also said, let me give that to you, I'll tell you I'm all out of whack right now. He also said, "But our God is in the heaven. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. So I trust you that if it happened, it happened because God has a purpose in it happening. Now we don't have all the answers we'd like to have about what God is doing. But faith in Him allows us, I believe, to rest in Him and to know that God always does what's right. Even if it appears wrong to us. Because we don't have all the information. Second, God can be trusted to bring good out of situations where we can only see evil. I believe that. There are times when you look at a situation and you say, I can't believe this is happening. How in the world can anything good come out of this? But the Bible says, He worketh all things together for them to together for good to them that love God. God is working, and He's able to bring good out of a situation where we can only see evil. Number three, we can rest in our Lord's promise that He has overcome evil for His people. Again, that passage I quoted earlier, "...these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace." In the world ye shall have tribulation. Then he said, But be ye of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We can trust God and rest in His promises that He has overcome evil for His people. Now one day, when all of this is over and the dust is settled and we go home to be with Him, we may have the answers we seek. I said we may have them. But it may just be that they won't matter any longer when we arrive in His presence. It may just be that we won't care when we get there. I don't know if God will even talk to us about the issues we went through down here, so much so that you and I will be caught up in the glory of who He is and the worship of God and the trials of this life, as Paul said, cannot be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. So right now we walk through the world with a mindful and a head full of question marks and we're always asking why did this happen and why did that take place and I don't understand this and I can't get my mind around that but we can rest in God's promise because God has overcome evil for us and one day either by taking us home to be with Him or through the door of death everything will make sense. It will fall into place. And we'll understand as we've never understood before and we'll cease to be concerned about what we don't understand. One more. We can trust God to do right in all situations every time. Even when we don't like what's happening. As Abraham talked to God about the impending judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said this, Shall not the God of all the earth do right? That was the question. And the question implied a reality that God will always do what's right and God always will. It may not be what I want. It may not be what you want. It may not work out the way I think it should but from God's point of view it will be right. If you can hold on to those four truths they're sufficient to allow you to rest in the sovereign purposes of God even when you can't understand what God is up to. Now, When these two events took place in our text, and they were mentioned, Jesus said, Nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now, Jesus isn't saying that you and I can expect to die like those people died. But He's saying that we can expect to die. And He's saying that unless we repent of our sins, a far worse outcome awaits us. And that's true. Those who die without Jesus will not only have suffered in this life But they will go into eternal pain and torment And they will suffer forever I mentioned Steve Jobs Steve Jobs was not a believer in Christ While he was here he was one of the richest men on the face of the earth He was a multi-billionaire But he did not know God. He had every luxury and everything anybody in this world could want and yet he suffered here and when he died here he went to hell and he still suffers there. You don't want that. So Jesus calls you to repentance. And he says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And what this is, it is a call for us to consider where we stand with God. And if we repent and believe the gospel, we can expect to be saved from the wrath of God. If we do not, we will likewise perish. And as we prepare to leave this service, ask yourself where you stand with God. Because it would be a terrible shame to face all the suffering and pain in this life only to drop off into an eternity of suffering without God. Jesus didn't say anything about where those people went. But I gather from some of his words that many of them may have died and went to hell. And after they died at the hand of the Romans, and after they died when the tower fell on them, they continued to suffer in hell. All of the millions I mentioned at the outset who've died because of evil, and many billions more I did not mention, many of them are in hellfire today. Be sure you know the Lord. Because if you do, life will not always make sense, but at least you know the God who can take your worst pain and transform it into a time of blessing for His glory and your good. Be sure you know the Lord. Because if you don't, hell awaits. That concludes what I want to say about this tonight. The existence of evil, pain, and suffering. We all know it's true. We don't like it. We'll come back next time and talk about a little bit about why God allows such things. Okay? Lord willing. Let's pray together. Brother Ricky, if you would, just stroll around here. We'll sing a verse or something. Somebody may need to come pray. Maybe you need God to help you come to terms with some of these things in your life. Maybe you want to thank God for helping you come to terms with some of these things in your life. Maybe you know somebody who's walking through a very, very hard place. It would be a good time to come and pray for them. Ask God to help them. I don't know what you need, but I do know God has what you need. Father, thank you tonight for the Word of God.